You're listening to Discovering Multifamily, where we discuss all educational topics in commercial real estate with an emphasis on multifamily apartment investing via syndication. And now your hosts, former NFL fullback Brian Leonard and Anthony Scandariato. All right, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the Discovering Multifamily podcast. I'm your host, Anthony Scandariato with Red Knight Properties. And today we have a special guest here with us, Tom Lonnie. And Tom is a leader in guiding real estate investors on becoming their own banker. He is with uh, stress, stress, stress-free free planning, and yep. he has a unique path to creating what he likes to call the bulletproof wealth strategy um, for real estate investors. So we want to hear about his career, how he got started, uh, what type of strategies he's guiding his clients and his real estate investors to use in order to uh, leverage their assets and acquire more properties, whether it's in an active or passive way. So Tom, thanks for coming on the show. Thank you for having me, Anthony. I really appreciate it. I'm excited to be here. I love this topic and I love helping real estate investors turn on light bulbs for different ideas and concepts and strategies that they may or may not have heard of before. And if they have heard of them, sometimes they can be a little confusing, this concept of infinite banking for real estate investors. That's really the area that I specialize in. And I love helping real estate investors turn on these you know, ideas for how they can really maximize their returns in real estate investing. Right. So can you talk about what infinite banking means? Like you just sure. have an infinite amount of money to throw into <laughs> real estate deals. What does that mean? No, that's a good question. So infinite banking is a term coined by a gentleman named Nelson Nash. And really what the concept is, is that you're trying to find the best place to save money, right? Where is everybody has to store money somewhere. Okay. There's only so many places you can put money banks, traditional banks, traditional checkings and savings accounts, qualified plans, um, you know, money comes in, you earn it, you have to put it somewhere, right? And Nelson came upon this idea around, gosh, he developed it in the 50s, but he really formalized it right at the year 2000 when he came out with this book called Becoming Your Own Banker of storing your money in a whole life insurance policy not for the life insurance, which is a huge added bonus, but for all of the other amazing benefits that it has to be able to do that. So when you put your money in a whole life policy, you can create this line of credit. In fact, it is created right away that you can then use for whatever you want to do. So the possibilities are infinite in terms of really what you can do once the money is stored there. But the big, big thing is that you can use money like a bank does. Okay. That is the amazing thing about it. And you might be wondering, okay, what does that mean? Use money like a bank does? Well, the way that you really understand how a bank makes money is by understanding this concept called arbitrage. Okay. So, um, Anthony, I'm just going to, ask you some questions and it'll help the, uh, the, the um, listeners understand this. So if you had $100,000 and you put it into a traditional bank, right? Um, and they were paying 25 basis points, that's one quarter of 1% for the use of your money, 
how much money would they give you after a year of you leaving $100,000 in the bank? Any idea? Barely anything. Well, <laughs> barely anything. It's 250 bucks. Yep. Okay. So that's a bank paying you $250. Now, does a bank make money by paying other people money? The answer is no. They don't make money by paying out interest to other people. They make money by lending it out at a larger percentage than what they're paying. Okay. So if you think about this conceptually, if a bank is paying somebody a quarter of a percent and they're lending money out at five and a quarter percent, what is the rate of return the bank is making? Yeah, right. That's one of the key. Right. <laughs> uh, one of the things that people always say is, hey, it's 5%. It's 5%. It makes total sense to me. They're lending at a quarter. They're making five. They're making five and a quarter while borrowing it. What you need to understand, Anthony, and this is where the infinite banking comes into play is we got to put dollars to those numbers. And once you do, the light bulb just turns on. So back to our $100,000 making a quarter of a percent, that is the bank paying you $250. Okay. Now, if a borrower to come along and loan money from the bank at five and a quarter percent, how much would that lender at the end of 12 months have to pay the bank? What's five and a quarter percent of $100,000? Yeah, so 5250. So let me ask you this. If you could turn $250 into $5,250, does that sound like you're making a 5% rate of return? <laughs> Sign me up for that deal. <laughs> yeah. I mean, who wouldn't jump all over those kind of returns, right? Okay. So when you do the math, which I have a whole series of educational videos on my website, when you do the math on what the banks are really making, that actually is a 2000% rate of return, believe it or not. They're 20 xing their money by lending it out at 250 bucks. I mean, by paying somebody $250 for the use of their money and lending it out at a huge multiple of that, right? So all infinite banking is, is understanding that concept of how banks make money and then working to get yourself in the position of earning money like a bank does, which is awesome once you understand it. Does that help a little bit, get, give you the basics of infinite banking? Definitely, definitely. So you mentioned whole life insurance. So yes, uh, let's talk about that component. So and the cash value and how that all works when you're using, you know, that as your bank account, quote, yes. unquote, to yeah. buy more real estate, whether that's actively yeah. or passively. So let's talk about that. So what you're doing is you're putting in a, what I call a have to portion to keep life insurance alive. And you are you putting in this want to portion, which is I want to have a place to put money, right? I I have to put money in once a year because it's life insurance, and the reason we're using life insurance is for its amazing tax advantages. It is the most tax advantaged place to store wealth, you know, in terms of building money inside a policy on a tax advantaged basis. And then Anthony, if you do it right. Spoiler alert, you can pull the money out in retirement tax-free for a lifetime. So you end up having this lifetime 
distribution that earns dividends the whole time. So it's absolutely amazing. So let's just say, just for ease of conversation, that somebody was putting in $50,000 into the have to portion and $50,000 into the want to portion, that would mean that their policy would initially have at least $50,000 they could borrow against. And then each year that they put more money in, the amount available to borrow would go up dramatically till eventually, usually eight year eight or year nine, because this is a long-term strategy, you have more money inside of your cash value than you've ever put in, including both the have to and the want to portion. And then usually by the time somebody retires, we have, you know, at least 50% to 150%, depending on how long they've done the strategy for, more money inside their policy than they ever put into it. And by the way, they got this amazing life insurance policy with all these amazing advantages. Um, one of the things that real estate investors specifically go crazy for is the fact that they can borrow money from the insurance company guaranteed. They're not borrowing it from themselves. So get that thought out of your head. And this is not their money they're borrowing. You're not borrowing your own money. That's another big thing that infinite banking sometimes gets confused, drives me crazy because your, your money is inside the policy used as collateral and you're borrowing against that collateral, right? And so it works exactly the same as a home equity line of credit where you're borrowing against the equity inside of your home, okay? So this is the equity inside of your policy. And the beauty of that is that your internal cash value continues to compound every year. It goes up, 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 but you're also able to use that money to put into in this case, commercial, multifamily syndications, whatever you guys are doing, you can use your money in more than one place at once. Sure. It's and let's talk. Amazing. No, it's, it is. So, uh, and I have a few of uh, my clients who utilize this strategy. And cool. I'm always curious. Yeah. And I'm always curious to hear how that draw process works. Like you said, it's like a line of credit almost, if you want to yep. think about it that way. So, in general, maybe you can just speak on a macro level, not yeah. know, specific to your situation. Um, no what type of interest rates can you borrow against the policy at? And what type, how long of terms can you borrow out at? And is it interest only? I get these questions all the time. So yeah, that's figured I'd ask a professional. Hey, we have to know the details, right? Because that's where the the um, the nitty gritty, the rubber meets the road with these details. So it's very important that you understand this. So the way it works is because you're collateralizing the cash value inside your policy, and that is your equity, and there's a guaranteed death benefit. So let's just say, for example, down the road, you end up with a $4 million life insurance policy, and you have $800,000 of cash value, okay? So your cash value builds and your death benefit goes up at the same time, all right? And the insurance company's net amount at risk, that means how much they're on the hook for, is the difference between your equity and the face value or the death benefit of the policy. So back to our example of $400,000 death benefit or face value, that's what they call it, 
and $800,000 of cash value if you took a loan for $700,000 and you did not pay it back and then you passed away that next week, right? The insurance company would pay your beneficiary 3.3 million. So they would take the $700,000 loan that is outstanding and they would reduce that uh, to your beneficiary. So basically they're guaranteeing the cash value, they're guaranteeing the death benefit and it makes it so it's a very, very low risk loan. And as far as the terms go, because they have the ability to know that everybody's gonna pass away someday, right? It's gonna happen. Um, because of that, the terms are fully unstructured. That means there is no interest only payment you have to make. You can, and this is why real estate investors love it. They could take a loan for let's say a hundred grand and they could keep it out until the house they're fixing sells. And then when it sells, they pay back the loan plus the accrued interest. Okay. So there's no, oh, you have to do interest only. You have to do it in five years. There's no, you can set up. In fact, I do this for my clients all the time because I work with, with, um, real estate investors all over the US, you can set up these payments to be structured if you want, but you don't have to. You can just pay the have to portion once a year and let the interest roll, all right? And the way the interest accumulates is it accumulates on a simple interest basis for the first 12 policy months. And then on the policy anniversary, it goes interest on interest. So it starts to compound on the interest on itself after its policy anniversary. The way I describe this is if you took a hundred thousand dollar loan after 12 months, that would be $105,000 interest at 5%. And then, the interest would start accumulating on 105,000 at 5%. And by the way, the interest rate for the main company that I work with, which all the companies vary, you know, on their interest rate, but the main company I work with has been at 5% since 2012. So it's a 5% loan interest rate. Okay. But you guys got to realize that's not the same as paying 5% to a financial institution that you have no ownership in. Because I only work with mutually owned companies, when you pay that interest to the company, that is profit to the company. And because that's profit to the company, they're required to return a portion of their profit back to the policy owners in the form of a dividend, right? So even though you're paying them 5%, you're still getting a dividend on your entire cash value. Usually as the policy gets into maturity where it's say five, 10 years down the road, you're getting more in a dividend than you're paying in interest. And that of course depends on what ratio of interest to cash value you have pulled out. So I know I said a mouthful, but does that help you understand that? Yes, it does. Yes. So, and, and you touched a little bit, Tom, upon the tax burdens. Uh, so how can you, especially once you get to retirement age, um, reduce those tax burdens for real estate investors, or even on an ongoing basis where they have yeah. live deals. Uh, are you able to write off the interest payments? How does that work? So let me talk about that was good two questions, but they're two totally separate things. So I'll hit yes. the first one first. So the way it works is that 
the taxation of life insurance is based on what's called a first in first out basis. That means that you're putting money into it. Both your have to and your want to portion are all going in. Let's just say it's back to our $100,000 a year example. You're putting in $100,000 after, after 10 years, that's a million dollars you've put in. That million dollars is now the basis or your contributions that you've made to that policy. So whatever your basis is when you retire, because life insurance is first in, first out, that means you can withdraw up to your basis with no tax consequences whatsoever. Now, once you hit your basis, there's still a ton of money left in your contract. And at that point, we switched to a different kind of loan where it's a collateralized loan on just the capital gains inside the policy. And that loan just accumulates and builds and builds and builds over time. And then you never pay it back ever. It just gets wiped out at whenever you pass away someday, that loan just builds up and gets wiped out. A lot of the policies I do, Anthony, have six, seven, eight million dollars of gains inside the policies by the time someone's 90, 91 years old. And that is all just going to be retired by using the face value of the contract to pay off the loan when the person passes away. That's the genius of it. That make, does that make sense? Okay. Yes. Yes. That makes sense. Um, okay. And then how about now, for, the you know, during your life, before expiration okay. of your life? Yeah. yeah, totally. So during your life, you when you take a loan from a life insurance policy, let's just say that you took a $100,000 loan and you put it into as an LP on a commercial multifamily property. Okay. So you take that loan and you put it into this thing. Now that's an investment. And then I personally would be saying to my CPA, hey, I took a loan for an investment purpose and your CPA and you, because I'm not a tax advisor, have to come to the realization that, hey, the interest that I owe on this loan could be deductible, right? So I know it's possible. I know clients are doing it. But again, because I'm not a CPA or a licensed tax advisor, I can't say 100% that it works in every state in every scenario. Okay. And um, it's just one of those things where that's not my area of specialty, but I know people are doing it. Does that make sense? Got it. Okay. No, that's, that's fine. Um, so I guess how can so people can really, it sounds like people can really use this to, to scale and, you know, almost pay back over time, especially as yes. real estate investors. So but how about for even outside of real estate investors in terms of just saving their money? Because if they put, like you, you mentioned in the beginning, just putting it in a bank with 0.025% interest, it, it doesn't really yeah. do much. Right. Um, so, so the it has about the same level of risk as a bank, meaning that in my opinion, the risk is lower than banks because these companies have been in been in business literally for close to 200 years. The ones I work with, I mean, just really a long time, 150 plus year history. OK, so you've got this place where you're saving money and the average buildup just inside the policy is say three to five percent okay now you might go oh three to five percent that's not that sexy well put it on a taxable equivalent yield basis 
So you have three to 5% tax-free buildup that you never pay taxes on it. Now it gets to like six to 8%, depending on your marginal tax bracket. So it gets even better. And then you compare it to the level of risk of a traditional savings account. And you're talking about this massive difference between putting money in a traditional bank versus putting money here. I mean, it is just ginormous when you add in the tax advantages and you add in all of the other benefits of doing life insurance. Plus, you don't need term insurance. So you can take the cost of what you would normally be spending on term insurance and throw that out the window and you can add that really to your returns. So that even increases your rate of return um, on top of everything else. Got it. Yeah, that's a whole different topic, the term insurance. We didn't really yeah, talk about it. It is. About, I mean, but- everybody needs some kind of insurance. I mean, not everybody. It just depends on your risk level, right? If you have young kids or people dependent on your income, um, then that is a very high risk level and people do need life insurance. So this prevents them from having to pay for uh, a, a product that is going to just expire. The way that term insurance works is that it's literally just like renting insurance um, and it's not building equity. And listen, Anthony, I use it every day with my clients because there's a special type of term insurance called convertible term insurance. And that means that we can convert it from term to whole life. And it is a big part of my bulletproof wealth strategy. Um, The other huge leg of my bulletproof wealth strategy stool is I have three legs, term, whole life, and straight up disability insurance, which that is how I got into this whole business was um, I, I ended up 20 years ago, had a disability policy. I was in the music industry for 29 years using my hearing for a living, and I lost partial hearing in one ear and I had to go on claim for disability. And that is when I went back to school and got all these financial designations. So Anthony, right now I'm a chartered special needs consultant, number one. Number two, I'm a chartered life underwriter. And number three, I'm a chartered financial consultant. So one of the differentiating factors with me is that I actually have a very broad understanding of the financial, everything out there that's available in the financial world, because I had to go through all of this education to get where I'm at. Um, And it really does make a difference. So I have a good understanding of, you know, what all people are dealing with from estate planning to uh, investment planning to all this different stuff. It's not that I do estate planning, but I understand what's going on and needed in that. Does that make sense? No, that's that's great. No, it's, that's a good, great background. I was going to ask how you got into this. Um, now, yeah. as we wind down the show, I'm going to ask you, how can people find you, learn more about your platform, oh. reach out to you? Totally, Anthony. Well, so what I do is I go around speaking to real estate investors, explaining how this strategy works, okay? And when I do that, I usually have those talks recorded And I have built up a library of free educational videos over the years, and they're really high quality. I try to keep them short and to the point. And then even if I'm on uh, speaking to a real estate investment group, um, you know, 
virtually, which I do a lot as well. I usually record those talks. So I have all these really cool free videos to be able to educate you more in depth on the whole strategy. And they're at my website, stressfreeplanning.com. And all you have to do is go to stressfreeplanning.com, put your name and email in, and it'll get you access to these free videos. And Anthony, one thing that's really important you guys realize is that I do not bug people, meaning that it's free, you can enjoy it. If you don't like what you see and don't want to do anything, then you're not going to get a call from me, okay? That's not the way I work. So it's low, low stress. Great. No, I'll have a link to Tom's website in the social media descriptions as well as on iTunes. So I would encourage everyone to reach out to Tom uh, to get educated and to watch those videos and reach out or schedule a call like he mentioned if you're interested in learning more about it. So I would encourage you to do that. And if you liked what you heard and or saw today, please give us a rating on uh, iTunes and review. It really helps our show uh, get out our message. That's just the way iTunes works. So for Tom and I to get our message out to a greater audience, we'd appreciate that. And we'd love to have you back on, uh, you know, later on this year or even next year and kind of learn um, if the industry has changed because every, you know, things are changing every day, pretty much it seems like. So if there are any, you know, changes that get adapted to um, the insurance industry, that'll be uh, catered towards real estate investors. We'd love to have you back on to discuss it. That would be wonderful. Thank you so much for having me. And I'm really looking forward to um, getting back and, and talking again in the near future. Thanks, Anthony. Thank you, Tom.